welcome back and thanks for joining the February edition of 10 Hats, the IGPM podcast. I'm Ali and I'm joined by Robin and Kay. Today we're going to talk a little bit about what's been happening during the past month and we're going to be taking a look at appraisals. Last week we launched the IGPM appraisal toolkit for practice managers and for anyone joining today who hasn't heard about that yet, um, do you want to tell us a bit more? Robin, why is it so important? Yeah, so it is so important. I think one of the things that we hear from our members all the time is that they don't always get a good appraisal or an appraisal at all, or they always feel like their appraisal could be better. And, and there's a lot of disparity between, you know, who carries out the practice manager appraisal. Sometimes it's your senior partner. Sometimes it's um, a, a sort of a peer appraisal scheme that might be operating in your area. And then we also hear that those are winding down as well. And when I've spoken to GPs about how they can best support their practice manager, they sort of say to me, I, I don't really know how to do a good appraisal. No one's ever trained me in good appraisal technique or, you know, what do I cover? Do I ask for a 360 feedback? You know, how do I do it objectives? So there was a lot of disparity, we think, across um, England and, and the rest of the UK about how practice manager appraisals are being carried out. So we thought, well, you know, we're the experts, we're the practice managers, we know how to do appraisals because we have to do them for most of our staff as well. So how can we make it work for the manager themselves? Um, and then the point of the appraisal, you know, it's it's your annual part of your performance management cycle. So it's really important for that. It's really important for managing CPD going forward, setting objectives that align with the business. So there are many good things about it. And what we did with this toolkit as well is that we aligned it to the 10 domains of our accreditation framework so that those uh, those sort of domains and those criteria get embedded in practice manager work. Because we are saying, you know, this is the the gold standard of what a practice manager should be able to demonstrate. And if you haven't become accredited yet as well, having your appraisal and using your 10 domains to mark yourself against will also help you through your application process. And of course, we've done specific uh, versions for Wales and Northern Ireland and for PCN managers as well to go through with their clinical directors. So we're really, really proud to have launched that this week. And we've had lots of uptake, which is fantastic. So if you haven't got yours already, what are you waiting for? webinar last week, it was it was exceptionally well attended. How did how did you feel that went? Oh, it was really good. And um, interesting for me was that it wasn't just practice managers or managers in practice. There were um, GPs there making comments, PCN managers, a few managing partners as well that felt that the um, the appraisal was a little bit different for them. Um, but stark kind of numbers. If you think that those people who came to the um, webinar would probably be our sort of keenest members, 20% of them said that they don't get an appraisal. And that that's a lot. Two out of 10 don't get an appraisal. Um, and and 61% of the rest said that theirs was by a clinician. Um, and as much as we love working with and for doctors, they don't know the detail of what we do. And as Robin says, marking it against our 10 domains makes it relevant um, for, for our work, the work that we do. We also asked um, how they found their last appraisal, um, if they found it useful. Um, and we asked them to rate that between one and five, five being the most useful. Um, and that came out at 2.8, so kind of in the middle. Regular came at 2.6, again, bang in the middle. And then specific came out at um, 2.8 as well. So we're, we're really middling with the um, the appraisals that, that we give to managers across general practice. 
And with this toolkit, we know that can be so much better um, and, and make it relevant for the roles that we do. Um, we also asked people why they hadn't done the accreditation. We thought it was a really good opportunity to link those two things. And time was one of the biggest um, reasons given. And, you know, Robin, we talk about that all the time, don't we? How much time we, you know, we, we put towards it. And people ask us, you know, how long does it take? What kind of input do I need to do? And it can be anything, can't it, from an, an evening, get it all done, fill it in, to spending, you know, a few weeks working on it. I can't remember how long did yours take to do? I think I did mine in about three or four hours because once I started writing, I just couldn't stop. And I was sort of going through. And I mean, at the time that I became accredited, I think I'd been a practice manager for about four or five years. And I was actually really astounded how much I felt that I'd achieved in that time once I went back and reflected on all the different things that I'd done. So it was such a confidence boost and it, it was so nice to to actually be able to reflect and look back on everything that I'd achieved and then to go and get my references done from, you know, my senior partner at the time and one of the other practice managers that I work with and their sort of ratification of everything that I said was just amazing. I don't think I've ever felt so proud of anything in my life. Well, and not as proud until you get the MIGPM after your name. That's a pretty proud moment as well, isn't it? I think that certificate so, coming through was amazing and it, it sits proudly framed in my office next to my PCN managers who, who also got hers as well and yeah they sort of take pride of place and I always make sure they're in camera shop when I'm doing online meetings yeah. just to show them off. And um, you know that I think that that that's kind of echoed um, across everybody that's done it. We've done some kind of supported sessions for some areas where we've done a ten-week program, and we're doing some more of those um, over the coming months. So we can help areas if you've got some funding to to get our regional reps in and support you to do that. We asked people as well um, what they'd like us to focus on for the next twelve months. They said growing membership. So that's kind of back to all of you that's listening. If every one of you that's a member gets somebody else to be a member, then, you know, we've we've doubled. And, and that's what we need to do. Um, also suggestions about us um, continuing to be the voice of management, which, you know, we are. Um, and making some positivity in the media, trying to change the tone of um, some of the press um, that we get about general practice and visibility. So I think we've got all of those covered, I think. They're all definitely on our agenda. And, and just to highlight as well that this appraisal toolkit it is a members only resource. So you need to be an associate or an accredited member to be able to access it. You know, this is one of the many benefits that membership with IGPM gets you. So if you haven't joined us, like I've said, then you need to. And as soon as you do, you'll get your own copy sent through to you as well. And if you'd like to watch the webinar back, it is available um, on our YouTube channel now. So if you pop over there, um, you can watch the uh, recording uh, and catch up with all the stats that, that Kay's just shared. Uh, so, Kay, have you had any other meetings recently? Well, um, last week we met with um, Sarah Tilsad, who's from the Patients Association. That was a, a great meeting. It's one of those organisations you're not quite sure the the um, variety of things that they do and the support that they give to patients in all kinds of different areas. Um, Sarah felt like a bit of a kindred 
spirit to me when I met her. We were in a, a meeting of a lot of grey suits and uh, we were both wearing bright colours. So it was obvious we were going to get on. Um, so I spoke to Sarah and we arranged to have a meeting and, and kind of a conversation really about how we can help managers organise their PPGs. Lots of us have sort of put off having a PPG while the pandemic and then we've moved to a remote um, group or one that we do on Facebook or social media and they're not always as successful so we talked about the um, the guide they've got on their website and we'll try and link that in the notes today um, to, so, that, so that people can have a little bit of support if they're going back to having a face-to-face -face PPG um, and then we we had a bit of a thought about whether we ought to write a guide for people to do a virtual PPG. And maybe that's something that we'll we'll think about next. Robin, what's your PPG like? So we've gone virtual because literally, like you said, Kay, after the pandemic lifted, our attendance for our actual face-to-face -face PPG just dropped off the edge of a cliff. And we ended up having like two people coming um, who, who weren't representative of our demographic. And, and basically also didn't feel confident enough to you know, make recommendations on behalf of other patients because they knew that, that they weren't representative enough. So we moved then to a virtual patient reference group and we sort of send out a quarterly update on what's going on and seek feedback. And, and I think we were moving into trying to arrange maybe some volunteering, some fundraising options just to get people more involved. But yeah, like, like you say, I think the, the pandemic did a lot for reducing attendance at PPGs across the country. And it is sad because, you know, a lot of them have worked really well in the past and they come up with some fantastic ideas. I know you used to have a, a really, really strong one at Alvinley as well. And I think mm. it's something that we kind of want to move back towards, but it's always hard trying to find a representative group, especially if you are in a sort of mixed area because of the time that you can give to it and the time that people are available. Yeah, um, we've we've got a good one here as well. We've got we've got quite a number and a variety of ages as well, which is good. Um, and I know you've got a, a great Facebook page as well, Robin. And I know I steal some ideas from your Facebook for ours. Um, so it's whether we we help practices to develop that. We'd be really interested if people would um find that useful, wouldn't we, Ali? Yeah, and obviously we see a shift towards everybody. Um being present on social media the the highest growing demographic for using social media is is what they, they call the, the silver surfer the 65 plus are moving towards regularly using um social media so every one of the cohorts you're trying to to reach will at some point be accessing social media so it's a, a really interesting way to explore sharing messages um through any of your patient messages health messages ppg it's a it's very um, obviously relevant at the moment as well so if you're a practice manager member who has got a really active virtual patient uh, participation group or is doing something really innovative one of our uh, whatsapp groups is around patient engagement so please do join it and share your ideas because we'd love to hear what works well and share that with your your peers and your colleagues that would be awesome and you're both you're both presenting at Best Practice this week. Um, do you want to share a little bit about each of your sessions? Uh, yeah, I'm really excited for this. So uh, we'll be up in Best Practice London uh, for Wednesday and Thursday. Both Kay and I are doing both days. Uh, on the Wednesday, I am sitting in on a panel about the use of the additional roles reimbursement scheme in practice and PCNs, which I'm really looking forward to. 
And then we've got our national leads, Pete and Mike, are also leading some sessions on practice manager partners. Uh, and then, Kate, you're on on Thursday? Yeah, I'm talking with um, Kerry and we're talking about recruitment and perhaps how to do things a little bit differently. But I'm looking forward to seeing everybody, aren't you? It's just going to be great for us all to be in the same place. I love the chance to be able to network with people um, and especially other managers who are coming along to come and have a chat with us like definitely uh, come and visit us if you can we're also hoping to do a little bit of a social on the Wednesday night so if you are following us on social media or you're in our member whatsapp groups we'll post details on there once we finalize what the plan is so keep an eye out and then yeah come and say hi for us come have a well-earned drink and and a chance to talk about everything practice management and grab us during the day so you know don't be afraid to come up and, and talk to us we're delighted to talk to anybody about um, membership about your concerns you know anything we just like talking really we love talking and we'll have merch available as well you've got to love a bit of free merch so our stand number is, um, is f64 so yeah do stop by some of our regional rep team will be there as well so it's a good chance to put um faces to names we're actually quite busy through the summer with with shows this year so we've I've uh, got a partnership with Management in Practice, which is in Birmingham um, on the 14th of May. Uh, Kay, I think you're attending that one. And we're also going to be at the Primary Care Show uh, on the 14th and 15th in Birmingham at the NEC, so around the corner from each other. Kay, what are you, what's your role at, at Management in Practice this year? I'm chairing one of the streams. Um, I don't think any of the, um, the the names are out yet of who's going to be doing the the. Um, presenting but I always do like to look at who's come in or make suggestions so if you've heard anybody that um, has spoke very well or anyone that you think's got an interesting um, story or an interesting innovative way of working do let us know and we'll we'll try and get them on one of the um, one of the conferences this year and we're quite excited to um, be working um, in conjunction with practice index for the primary care show at the NEC so we're building content on that at the moment, but we're determined to make it absolutely relevant to practice managers who are coming. And we'd love to see loads of you there because I think this is one that I um, haven't heard much about before. And I think it is growing. So it'd be really good to get more practice management representatives there so we can get more content that's actually relevant to us as well. So we hope to see lots of people there. We'll be promoting it on our social channels and through our website soon. So yeah, keep an eye out for that and, and come visit us there too. Um, and if you are planning on attending, um, do let us know. Just drop us an email or have a look on our social channels and you'll see the links to sign up, um, which will take you through our, our specific links to to get your tickets for those. So we've had an email from one of our members for advice again. Um, Robin, I think this one's going to be very much your your bag on this one. Um, it's a HR question. It's HR. <laughs> I've read that flexible working laws are changing and I'm really confused. I've got one staff member who I inherited on a term time only contract. They're a pharmacist and I've got two receptionists now asking to do the same, but it's just not going to work for us. We can't manage to cover the time they're off, but they're saying having someone else within the practice on this arrangement sets a precedence and I can't refuse it. Is this right? Oh, <laughs> so yeah, the, the law is changing around flexible working, but not in that sense. So the upcoming changes um, that we expect from the 1st of April are that you are now legally able to make a flexible working request from day one of employment, whereas previously it was after 26 weeks. So that's the major change, really. It means that people on being offered a job can then straight away put in a request and say, I want to change the, the working pattern or, or something about it, which I know is going to go down like a bag of cold sick. But 
don't be afraid you know i think the best thing to the best way to manage that is to be flexible at the point of job offer because then you if you can make something work right from the off you're not going to need to respond to a request so bear that in mind um, and the other change is that you can now make more than one request in a 12-month period you can make two um, so if someone has already made one and previously you could say well you've made one only nine months ago you have to wait it's actually now two in a 12-month period but again I would always encourage you to talk to your staff if they are putting your flexible working requests to see what the issue is and see if you can manage it informally without having to go through this process I mean we all understand about retention being so important lots of people are looking for a better work-life balance and if you can accommodate that you quite often get a better output and performance from those staff members so it's always worth having a conversation even if you don't think it fits in with the policy in this sense so precedent it is not the same for flexible working as it is in in some other things you know if you've accommodated one uh, arrangement but then another request comes in and you cannot accommodate it and you have a genuine business reason for refusal then that is fine that you can't just go back on oh well she's got it so I want it that doesn't work it has to be the needs of the business that take that level of priority so that would be what you would do you just follow your process through as usual you should try to meet with the staff member if you can't accommodate and see if there is some kind of compromise that you can come to because that can normally head something off at the past but if there is a genuine business reason um, and the ACAS website will give you the list of genuine business reasons for saying no um, then you can go ahead and refuse it so I hope that helps. I know it's all a bit of a pain and we absolutely hate it when legislation changes because you, you have to then get your head around it again. But these these things are designed to actually improve employee well-being. And I see that really as a positive because we have a workforce that we want to nurture, that we want to develop and support because you then get that back in spades. So for me, although it sounds annoying, just think of it as you know, what can we do to help and how can we work together? So you've just basically there's just those two things then ask twice and from day one they're the kind of trigger it's things that we need to remember yeah. as yeah okay and the the kind of business reasons I guess if you've got um I don't know you need your phones opening at eight o'clock in the morning and your receptionist can't work till half nine that's perhaps not great for the business so if you you know that could be a good business reason essentially yeah if, if it means that it impacts on the level of service that you need to be able to provide then that would be a genuine business reason yeah yeah we had yeah. um we had a question on um, one of the WhatsApp groups recently about somebody who had, and it's probably a different circumstance, actually. Um, they wanted reasonable adjustments and not to work at certain times during the winter months. Oh, yeah. And I think that was quite a, Yeah, that was a tricky yeah. one, wasn't it? And I think they ended up going to occupational health in the end, um, a seasonal affective disorder kind of question, I think. Yeah, and so... Reasonable adjustments um, are enshrined in law, but only apply to the disability uh, protected characteristic under the Equality Act, so not for anything yep. else. So if you're considering making reasonable adjustments, you really do need occupational health to confirm that this person has got what could be classed as a disability under the Equality Act. Otherwise, there is no legal duty on you to make those adjustments. So if someone is saying, oh, this is for health reasons, OCHealth straight away is the first thing to do to get that clarified. 
And OpCloth can be really useful as well in actually advising on what sort of reasonable adjustments you might need to make. So if they do agree, so in this example that that SAD is a disability, they can provide you with some really useful advice on how to support that staff member with that problem. And it might not necessarily be the, I only want to work during these hours. It might be actually, you can provide them with a UV lamp in their room. It could be that you just alternate their start and finish times for a period. You know, there are lots of different advice um, that you can get from them. So don't always just assume they're just going to say what the employee said. If you ask the right questions, you get good answers. Yeah, that's good advice. Thanks, Robin. Yeah, as always. If you are a member, um, you can ask any of these sort of questions in our WhatsApp group. So I know we do say every month, but they're they're incredibly supportive and they are such a great benefit of being a member. Um, they've been so busy since we started them with so many different topics that it's just it's just an ideal thing place for you to just share anything that you have on your mind. I've learned so much from yeah. those groups since we started them as well. It's been fantastic seeing what's going on around the country and looking at ideas and advice that we can get from our peers. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we've had a new group set up in this last two weeks on um, dispensing practices and that's going great guns, loads of questions. I have no idea what they're talking about most of the time because I've never worked in a dispensing practice, but um, it's really great for them because often they're isolated anyway by their nature. You know, they're they're a little bit further away from, from town, so they're actually setting themselves up with some um, regular teams meetings to keep in touch as well. Um, and talking about getting some expert speakers in to help them with particular problems. So that's been a really, really good, good group. Um, some other day we had them mentioning that they'd seen a segment on the uh, the veteran healthcare scheme on the, the BBC Breakfast as well. Um, so we we did a webinar um, with some of the colleagues from um, the RCGP last year. Um, so that's available again on our YouTube channel if anyone's interested in, in catching that up. So March, what have we got coming up? Um, we do have a webinar uh, with Medics Money. Um, we'll have a summary out of that shortly. Um, so that's, again, to sign up via our website. So we're nearly into March. So what have we got coming up? We've got a IGPM webinar with Medics Money at the end of the month. I think that's on the 21st, if you want to sign up. And obviously, we are still waiting to hear about next year's GP contract um, at the current status. I believe the BMA are waiting for if there's any you know any further uplift on the 1.9 percent poultry amount that was recommended obviously we released a statement about that earlier in the year when we first heard about it so kind of watch this space and we'll we'll see um what comes through but obviously you can expect a response from us regardless because i'm sure as practice managers we will have something to say about it and we're just about to release um our 2023-24 survey shortly um there's a few stats coming out of that that are, are really worrying to to read um, but we'll take a more of an in-depth look at that next month um, and that'll be available to members shortly. Thank you both for joining me again uh, this month. Um, just a reminder that if you do subscribe to our podcast on your preferred podcast platform, you'll get an automatic notification uh, when a new episode is live. We look forward to seeing you again next month. <laughs>